This is Cashflow Ninja, episode 36, another Wisdom Wednesday. Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast empowering and inspiring people to discover how to generate their own income and manage, grow, and protect their own wealth in the new economy. Now, here is your host, MC Laubscher. Hello everyone, MC Lobshire here and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja Wisdom Wednesday. Thank you for spending some time with me again today. I sincerely appreciate it and I respect your time. Just a couple of housekeeping items. When I launched the show, I started a $500 Visa gift card giveaway in our subscribe, rate and review giveaway. If you went over to iTunes and subscribed, rated our show, I hope we earned your five-star rating, and reviewed our show, you were automatically entered into this $500 Visa gift card giveaway. So we're announcing the winner of our giveaway by email on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram on this Friday, August 12th. We are drawing the winner on midnight on Thursday, the 11th of August. So if you still wanted to enter the giveaway, you can still do so up until midnight Thursday, the 11th of August. For new listeners, you can follow me at Twitter at MC Lobsher, where I share information daily and I also post daily on Instagram at Cashflow Ninja Podcast. If you want to join a community of people that have reclaimed their self ownership, are self reliant, believe in personal responsibility and accountability, and are lifelong learners, you can text the word Cashflow Ninja, one word. All capitalized to 44222, that's two fours and three twos, or sign up at CashflowNinja.com. If you feel that we are providing value to you and you wanted to also support the show, you can do your Amazon purchasing through our homepage at CashflowNinja.com forward slash Amazon. It doesn't cost you any extra and you're supporting the show. Now, I've had some of my clients in my firm and listeners ask for book recommendations, so I created a page listing all of the books mentioned in every episode in the show notes. On one page, you can access it at cashflowninja.com forward slash books. In today's show, I'm going to look at the possible future monetary system. Now, guys, in episode four, we covered money, currency, and fiat currency. And in episode 25, we covered central banking, money creation, and we looked at the world's monetary system. We have seen how the world's money system changes every 30 to 40 years. And I received a couple of emails from listeners asking to discuss how this money system can change in the future and what it could possibly look like. So I thought of a couple of ways how to approach today's topic since it's going to be a little bit more speculative in nature. So I figured I would start from a point of what events has already happened and looks like it could play a role in the changes of our monetary system in the future. And wow, there's there's been quite a number of things already that has happened. The first one I will touch on is the establishment of the SDR by the International Monetary Fund. Now I'll explain what an SDR is in a second. The International Monetary Fund, known as the IMF, is an international organization 
that's created for the purpose of standardizing global financial relations and exchange rates. So the IMF is generally monitoring the global economy, and its core goal is to economically strengthen its member countries. So specifically, as it lists on their website, the IMF was created with the intention of promoting global monetary and exchange stability, facilitating the expansion and balanced growth of international trade, and assisting in the establishment of a multilateral system of payments for current transactions. So fixed exchange rates was established at the Bretton Woods Conference, as we discussed in Episode 4 and Episode 25. Um, it's also known as the Bretton Woods System. It refers to the value of a currency being tied to the value of another currency or gold. The system of fixed exchange rates was established by the IMF as a way to bolster the global economy after the Great Depression and World War II. Now, this system was abolished in 1971, as we had discussed, when Nixon took the world off the gold standard, also known as the Nixon shock. So the IMF has promoted the system of floating exchange rates that occurred after the world went off the gold standard in 1971, which means that the value of a currency can change in relation to the value of another. So this is the familiar system today. So for example, when the U.S. economy suffers, the dollar's value goes down in relation to that, say, of the euro of the European Union or the British pound or the Australian dollar. The opposite is also true. It's vice versa. So the exchange rate established by the IMF allows countries to better manage economic growth and trade relations. So currently there's about 188 member countries in the IMF, which is based out of Washington, D.C. Now let's get to special drawing rights. Now special drawing rights also known as the SDR, refers to an international type of monetary reserve currency created by the IMF in 1969 that operates as a supplement to the existing reserves of member countries. The SDR was created in a response to concerns about the limitations of gold and dollars as the sole means settling international accounts. The SDR adds to the international liquidity by supplementing the standard reserve currencies. So the SDR is essentially an artificial currency. You can't get a note of the SDR to use for in trade and exchange for goods and services. The SDR is essentially an artificial currency that's used by the IMF and is a basket of national currencies. So there's a couple of currencies within this SDR. And the IMF uses this SDR for international accounting purposes. SDRs are allocated by the IMF to its member countries and are backed by the full faith and credit of the member countries' governments. Now, I would say here the SDR was formed with a vision of becoming a major element of international reserves in the future. So besides acting as a reserve asset, the SDR is also a unit of account of the IMF. Its value, which is summed up in U.S. dollars, is calculated from a weighted basket of major currencies like the Japanese yen, the U.S. dollars, the pound sterling, and the euro. It does seem that there's another big player missing here, right? Now wait, 
Who could that be? The second biggest economy in the world, you've guessed correctly, China. Now, from October 1st of this year, the Chinese yuan is joining this basket of currencies in the SDR. This is huge. Right now, all the world's currencies are backed by the U.S. dollar, which is no backing. Could they announce that the SDR would become the world's reserve currency and replace the U.S. dollar? I mean, this will have an enormous impact on the dollar and the world economy, and the world will then move away from the dollar standard to a new SDR standard. So instead of having one reserve currency, they will have a basket of currencies serving as uh, the reserve currency of the world. Now, October 1st is over the weekend, so I would wait and see what happens the week after that announcement, but this is happening over the weekend, October 1st, 2016. So another interesting event to note around the October 1st date is September 30th, which is that Friday, is the final day of the fiscal year of the U.S. government. So Congress is going to need to pass a new spending bill to keep the government open past October 1st, which is the start of the new fiscal year. So the U.S. will hit the debt ceiling again around that time. So again, that September 30th is the final day of the fiscal year of the U.S. government. The start of the new fiscal year would be October 1st. Again, it's a Saturday, so don't expect anything to happen there. These are just very interesting things to look at around that date. Interestingly enough, the end day of the Shemitah Jubilee that my previous guest, Jeff Berwick from the Dollar Vigilante, discussed is October 2nd, 2016. It's a month before the general election in the United States. I mean, and this could have a huge potential impact on the election and many other areas of your life. Another event that has been pretty interesting to me that I've followed and watched is the establishment of a BRICS bank. The BRIC nations, of course, are Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. The bank is called the New Development Bank, and the bank shall support public or private projects through loans, guarantees, equity participation, and other financial instruments. Now, I don't see this bank being a role player for the new monetary system, but it does show you that these developing countries, by creating this bank, have already stepped out of the current system. Another event worth mentioning is the intentions of Colonel Gaddafi in Libya before he was overthrown and murdered. If there's one thing that 2016 will be remembered by is Hillary Clinton's emails, whether it's hacked emails or emails sitting on a server in a bathroom or the DNC Act emails that implicates her or you, never mind. This is just too long. And by the time this episode is published, there'll be an even longer list. Now, hacked emails of Hillary Clinton revealed that Gaddafi's overthrow by NATO was initiated since he wanted to establish an African gold-backed monetary system with the Libyan dinar backed by gold. An extract from the April 2011 email sent to the Secretary of State Hillary Clinton by unofficial advisor and longtime Clinton confidant Sidney Blumenthal with a subject line, France's client and Gaddafi's gold, read, this gold was accumulated prior to the current rebellion and was intended to be used to establish a pan-African currency based on the Libyan golden dinar. 
This plan was designed to provide the Francophone African countries with an alternative to the French franc, the CFA. According to the knowledgeable individuals, this quantity of gold and silver is valued at more than $7 billion. French intelligence officers discovered this plan shortly after the current rebellion began, and this was one of the factors that influenced President Nicolas Sarkozy's decision to commit France to attack on Libya. French President Nicolas Sarkozy called Libya a threat to the financial security of the world before the NATO invasion. It's really interesting to note that one of the first actions initiated after Gaddafi's overthrow was the establishment of a central bank by the rebels, and it was based out of Benghazi. And this central bank, of course, was the official monetary authority competent in monetary policies in Libya. So with Gaddafi establishing this gold reserve-backed currency, or he was going to try to do anyway, and settling payments between African countries in this gold-backed dinar, it would have really threatened the current world monetary system, just as Saddam Hussein threatened the world's monetary system when he requested that payments for Iraq's oil needed to be settled in euros. Gaddafi had a lot of gold, which of course completely disappeared after the invasion of the NATO forces. But let's stay on topic. So will we ever go back to a world monetary system where the currency is backed by gold? Now, I don't think so. Jim Rickards just wrote a very interesting book, The New Case for Gold, which should be a must-read, that produces a very strong argument for a gold-backed system. Even a partial-backed system will be better than a completely fiat system like we have right now. It will at least make our monetary system honest again, since there's something backing up our currencies, and also keeps the world's central banks in check, since they would be limited to the amount that they can increase the world's money supply. And this simply, of course, just means they cannot just print money and create it out of thin air backed by nothing but debt. With the gold, the amount that could be put in circulation would be restricted by the amount of gold backing it. How about crypto and digital currencies like Bitcoin, Ethereum, Dow, Litecoin, and many more? I think there's about, I don't know, 660 of them right now. The two pro most prominent ones, of course, Bitcoin and Ethereum. Jeff Berwick discussed Bitcoin and Bitcoin startups in episode 27. And I have to say, I think that cryptocurrencies are really going to change the world. It's going to disrupt every single area in our life. This will dis eventually disrupt the disruptors. There's a rideshare company, for instance, that could put Uber out of business that is rolling out nationally this August, conducting business in Ethereum and completely decentralizing rideshare. Uber have centralized many areas of their organizational structure. I will write more about this company in my premium content that I'll distribute through my email list. Let's try and stay on topic here. So will cryptocurrencies have a role in the new global financial system? Here is why I don't think it will, and this answer might surprise you, because as you can tell, I really do think that these cryptocurrencies will change the world, and I'm really super excited about it. But Bitcoin and Ethereum and all these cryptocurrencies are essentially decentralizing money which is the complete opposite of what the establishment wants. So to have full control over the world's monetary system through all central banks and the IMF and the World Bank, it needs to be centralized. And cryptocurrencies 
is the opposite of the centralized monetary system. You cannot control it. There's no central bank or a head of a central authority. It's a free market unit of account where there's a price discovery and there's a limited amount of these cryptocurrencies. Now, banks have tried to take it over by buying some of these currencies, but what they don't realize is that no one owns this. The price of Bitcoin actually went up when banks came in, bought up Bitcoins, and the people that already had it wasn't going to sell there since they know the banks want it. So they only enrich really the people that already had it at that point. These currencies are new. There are still some issues, a lot of hacking lately. So it's not perfect yet. That's why I don't think it will be considered. The global trend is centralization of power in monetary, economic, and political terms. And as I've mentioned, this is a complete opposite. Now, people are starting to fight back against this trend. That's actually what Brexit was about and why political figures like Bernie Saunders and Donald Trump are popular in the U.S. 2016 race. Now, the SDRs by the IMF is a centralized and complete controlled monetary system. In fact, it will be controlled by the same people that basically controls the system now. So what are other potential scenarios? The Chinese yuan by itself is a world reserve currency? I personally don't think so. I don't think that they'll give the power of a reserve currency to a single country again if it moves away from the dollar. I might be wrong, but I just don't see it. Again, as I've mentioned before, today's episode is speculative in nature. The events are based on facts that I form my view on. But as always, please do your own research, think for yourself, and form your own opinion. Of the scenarios I discussed, I think the most likely, if we're moving away from the dollar as a world reserve currency, is most likely the SDR scenario, a basket of reserve currencies. And, you know, we are due for a change since the last change in the monetary system was 1971. That's also why I think we have this cashless society trend accelerating very, very quickly. Once the money is trapped in a system, then you can change the rules of that system. So how do we position ourselves? I talked about the wealth pyramid in episode 22, and I'm not going to give advice and tell you exactly what to do here. This show is all about thinking critically for yourself, fact-checking everything I talk about, doing your own research, and forming your own opinion. It is about reclaiming your self-ownership being self-reliant, taking responsibility for your life and being accountable, personal sovereignty, independence, and freedom. We are learning together here to fish. We're just not taking a fish from someone else. So I will tell you what I try to do or think of doing. I try to make sure to have cash on hand if banks are shut down and only allow you a certain amount of withdrawals per day. If you think this is extreme, Please just read my Twitter feed of the information that I'm sharing about European banks and Deutsche Bank especially. And again, please ask the people in Greece and Cyprus if they would have re recommended having some cash on hand. I have my own wealth capture account to take back the banking function in my life and help with my cash flow management. And it's with mutual insurance companies. And unlike banks, which do not have the money available that they have on their books, mutual insurance companies have millions of dollars and some billions in excess cash reserves. 
So if there's a run on a bank, for instance, the bank cannot pay all the depositors. They would have to shut it down like in Greece and call a bank holiday. Insurance companies can pay all of their claims if they needed to and have excess cash reserves on hand. This way your cash is in a safe and liquid institution and it earns a guaranteed rate of return and the value of your account never goes down in value. It's rolled up every year and locked in. So you have complete downside protection and no market exposure. Compare that to a money market account, for instance, in Citibank, if there's a financial crisis. You're always going to need a place to park your cash, so why not park it where the richest families on the planet park it? I would also try and invest a portion of my capital in precious metals to preserve purchasing power. Silver is around $20 an ounce right now, so I try to buy a little bit every now and again. Most investors would say to allocate 10% of your total assets to gold and silver as insurance or a hedge against inflation. Cryptocurrencies are new and untested. If I wanted to dabble in this, I would allocate a very, very small percentage to them. Only money I f can afford to lose. You might wonder why, if I think this is going to change the world, I would be so cautious. But remember the investment rules we have talked about many times on the show. We don't invest in anything that we don't understand. And I have to say, I don't fully understand cryptocurrencies yet. I think my level of understanding of them is at a point where I realize that how much I don't know about them and how much I still have to learn about them. So I keep reading and I keep studying about them. I also make sure that I have some freeze-dried storable food on hand. They last long, some 15 to 20 years. And I know I'm going to eat it at some stage. It actually looks pretty delicious. Seeds is a good one to have since it enables you to grow your own food and be self-sufficient. Food is always a good investment, whether it's to have on hand for another Hurricane Sandy or if food becomes so expensive in stores, you'll have a supply of food. Medicine and prescriptions is also a good one to have on hand as well. I think I just scratched the surface here, but I think you get the point. I think you need to just evaluate what you need, play out some scenarios of what you think and what your opinion is of all of this through your own research and your well-informed opinion. Just to recap our episode for today, the world's monetary system changes every 30 to 40 years. And in my opinion, I think October... First is a very big day to watch with the Chinese yuan joining the SDR basket of currencies of the IMF. The SDR is special drawing rights. And the Chinese yuan becomes one of the reserve currencies in this basket. I don't think the dollar will collapse, but it could be impacted and severely impacted if the world decides that this basket of currencies, the IMF's SDR, becomes a reserve backing of all the currencies in the world. This is a speculative episode, but it's good to be aware of these things and look at what's happening down the road. So be informed, research, study, let the other people chase Pokemon around while you empower yourself and chase your dreams. Just remember, whatever the world's currency or your fiat currency is in your home country, people will always trade with each other and create and exchange value. That's what money is. It's a tool. It's a medium of exchange and a representation of value. 
goods and services and value is not going away regardless of what happens. If you are listening to this podcast, you're a producer, you're a creator, and you're someone that makes the world a better place. That's our show for today. Until next time, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms. You have been listening to the Cash Flow Ninja with your host, MC Laubscher, the podcast empowering and inspiring people to discover how to generate their own income and manage, grow, and protect their own wealth in the new economy. Today's show notes and resources are available on our website, CashflowNinja.com. This presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objective, situation, and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.